0: Well, as we've woken up this morning, hopefully we've all woken up with a song in our heart and a praise on our lips for just the never-ending love that God Almighty gives to all people, offers to all people, and the salvation that He gives through His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm excited to come before you again, church, and to be used to bring this message before the children of God and so let's uh let's just go ahead and pray and ask the Lord for his uh, intervening and his guidance in the message. Father God, we thank you again for today that you've given us breath in our lungs, Lord, that you've watched over us as we slept throughout the night, that you've allowed us to awaken our eyes and to get out of bed and to have all function Uh, and use of our mind and our bodies and now we pray that you would go before us and that you would speak to us in spirit and truth help us to understand the word that you bring to us the word that we are to uphold above everything else lord that your name is above every other name that the name of jesus christ every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is lord and so we pray that you would speak to us now through your word father we thank you and we love you it's in the precious name of your son jesus christ that we pray amen I've entitled this message Liberated from the Law and what a blessing it is to be liberated to be unbound to no longer be a slave to the law or to things of ritualistic uh tendencies or nature and and this is exactly what this portion of scripture is speaking of that we are liberated Uh, from that by Christ alone. And so let's go ahead and start. We'll be in Acts chapter 15. We'll be going through verses 1 through 5 this morning. So here we go. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Well, today we will begin our journey starting in Acts chapter 15 so far we've witnessed one miracle after another in the book of acts with the greatest miracle being that god has opened the door of faith that gentiles may receive eternal life through jesus christ but wherever the lord is at work satan is also just around the corner trying to undermine god's purposes and today is no different we will learn how despite paul's message that all candidates Can be saved by the blood of jesus christ there were some known as judaizers who were teaching new converts they must be circumcised as well as receive christ as their savior in order to be saved we will be reminded today that salvation is by grace alone by faith alone through christ alone no one no one can add to how people can be saved at all people have tried ...throughout the ages, but nothing will work. Nothing can be added to how man can be saved. No external ritual keeping will make you better in God's sight. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are made right with God. The main points that I would like to stress this morning, the first is Satan will always try and defraud the work of Jesus Christ... And the truth is, honestly, we shouldn't be so surprised when we witness those being influenced by Satan to try and disgrace the Lord. Because the simple fact is, Satan chose to oppose God, so this is his position, this is his standpoint, this is his perspective in life. But because he is crafty, as we know the Bible says, the serpent, the most crafty of all animals, as he came in the beginning, he will use subtle ways to lead people astray. By using these Judaizers or these Jewish Christian converts to say that basically, yeah, you're, you're saved by the blood of Christ. But you also need to be circumcised. They were trying ever so slightly to draw believers away from Christ. Or actually Satan through these Judaizers was trying to draw uh, these new converts away from Christ. Which leads to our second main point. You must sit under solid biblical theology, so you aren't led astray by false doctrine. The truth is, you and I will either be liberated from legalism or bound by it. Correct biblical teaching says Jesus Christ paid our sin debt upon the cross, and that is it. Legalism says we need to uphold specific laws, traditions, or rituals Along with that to become justified by God. This is why we see Paul and Barnabas go back to these new converts, converts, excuse me, and they made sure that they thoroughly taught them the correct theology. So they could understand that they could never be saved by keeping any laws or rituals. Salvation only comes by Jesus Christ alone. Today all other religions operate under one or two forms of thought. The first is, you as a person must work to earn your favor with God. The second thought process is, you are saved by Jesus Christ plus X, Y, and Z. Whenever you add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ, you empty grace of its meaning. And we never want to do that, church. The third main point is, once you come to understand the truth, you are responsible to live out that truth in your daily life <clears throat> this is why you were never just to accept christ as your savior savior excuse me and then just check out you're not supposed to do that some have this idea that because They are saved by grace that they can just live however they want and that they're not accountable to God by any means at all. And this is completely false. God never wants us to remain stagnant or regress in our walk with him by abusing his grace and living however we want. That's exactly what we end up doing. This is why it's so important to walk daily with him, growing in his grace. We do this by praying without ceasing, studying his word, remaining in constant fellowship with him and other believers. So now that we know, excuse me, what our main points are, let's go ahead and begin. And we'll begin in verse 1. Excuse me. But some men... Came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Once again, we will witness the constant battle between truth and falsehood. These Jewish Christians called Judaizers came to the congregation in Antioch and taught that Gentiles may become Christians but only after first becoming Jews and submitting to all these Jewish rituals including circumcision. And this is just adding more for people to do. They were already liberated by the blood of Jesus Christ but now these Judaizers are saying you need to adhere to our traditions as well. Now we have to understand, it was very difficult for some Jewish Christians to accept that Gentiles could be brought into the church as equal members without first coming through the law of Moses. Because they're like, well, we're God's chosen people. You guys were just, we considered you guys dogs. And now, you know, they're saying that you guys are on equal ground as us. It was hard for them to deal with. It was a hard pill for them to swallow, to understand that truth. It was one thing to accept the occasional God fear into the church, but it was quite another to welcome large numbers of Gentiles who had no regard for the law and no intention of keeping it. You know, and it's almost like a situation where, you know, you look at the the prodigal son, right? Uh, the prodigal son's brother, I should say, you know, he had always been there. You know, doing everything the father had asked. And when the prodigal son came back, he was so infuriated and upset because he's like, Father, look, I've, I've done everything you've asked and you've never given me this and that. You've never thrown a party for me. But he failed to understand he didn't see the mercy and the grace that his father bestowed. And it was the same situation here with these Judaizers. They couldn't deal with the fact that these Gentiles were being brought in and And that they were brought in and accepted uh, uh, forgiven by God and also equals with themselves and so this offended them this offended the Jewish Christians who were still trying to uphold the law while receiving redemption from Jesus Christ and it's like oil and water it doesn't mix you can't you can't uphold the law and receive the free gift of grace that's given by Jesus Christ it just doesn't work this is what the Bible calls legalism unfortunately they forgot the act of circumcision uh, was a symbol really to represent the circumcision of their hearts, right? It, It was an inward change. That was really the heart of the matter. It was basically, they were basically to be set apart from the world, the world system and its trappings because the Lord cares more about inward change more than an outward appearance, but they were so stuck on. You have to be circumcised. It would make no difference if you were circumcised physically, but your heart wasn't circumcised, that your heart hasn't been changed and converted and, 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 and set upon the new life of Jesus Christ, set upon the rock of Christ. And they were missing this very important point. Whenever you add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ that you must uphold in order to be saved, That is legalism. So, what is the application for us today? What does this mean for us? Well, the truth is, today, unfortunately, legalism is still alive and well today within the church. When someone says you must be water baptized, You must speak in other tongues or even you must take communion in order to be saved. That is legalism. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't be water baptized if you have every means to be water baptized. But water baptism doesn't save you. We know the scripture says that you must be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now that is something that you need, but water baptism, speaking in tongues, the Bible is clear, not everyone will speak in tongues. Tongues, excuse me. Communion, uh, the, the, the taking of communion does not save a person's soul. Some churches will not permit women to wear pants or, or even wear uh, makeup of any kind or any jewelry. That's legalism as well. Now obviously the Bible speaks of and teaches to be prudent and to not, you know, not come in to tantalize people or, or or to arouse people or to draw people to sin. But again, you can wear pants. It's not about that. That's legalism. When you add anything to the cross of Christ, you are basically saying that his death and resurrection wasn't sufficient to take away my sin. And that's we know that that is false and it's not true. It's clear. It's crystal clear if you go throughout the Bible that God teaches that our good works are but filthy rags to him. So why would we think that adding these regulations and these rituals are going to make us better in God's eyes? It will never work. It doesn't work. He doesn't need our works, but we need his. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, but for whatever reason, these Jewish Christians had a major stronghold in this area of keeping the law. In a way, it was like the rich young ruler. We all remember the story, the account with him and Jesus Christ, right? He couldn't seem to part ways with his material fortune that he had amassed, Jesus Christ wasn't enough and and he went away bitter. He went away bitter and and sad. These Christians uh, that this was happening to were from Judea and they were not content in keeping their beliefs to themselves, but felt compelled to persuade other Christians. Excuse me, and they were trying to do this. They taught the brethren that uh, coming all the way to Antioch to preach this message. They were they were telling them this. They were trying to shove it down their throats by by their teaching. These certain men from Judea made a negative judgment on Paul and Barnabas and all of their missionary work. They they basically undermined the credibility of Paul and Barnabas by teaching that. These new converts must be circumcised as well as receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And interestingly enough, this is one of the tactics that Satan uses to discredit the messenger of God. On their recent missionary journey, they founded churches among the Gentiles without bringing them under the law of Moses. And these certain men from Judea said Paul and Barnabas were doing this all wrong. They were doing this not the correct way. But we all know truly that this is completely false doctrine. They were teaching that without upholding the law of circumcision, even being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ couldn't save them. Now this is a very pivotal, this was, excuse me, a a very pivotal moment for the early church because they were at a crossroads. This form of teaching and division could have easily separated and split the church. It's interesting that Jesus mentions in his word that a house divided against itself cannot stand Remember, he he said this to the religious leaders when they accused him of using Satan's powers to drive out evil spirits from people. And it's interesting because Satan knows that if he can't get the church to fall away from outside worldly influences, that he will basically try to destroy the church and implode from the inside out. And this is exactly what he was doing with the the Judaizers, bringing in this false teaching of these new converts needed to be circumcised and uphold the law of Moses as well as receive Jesus Christ as their savior. And we have plenty of examples, unfortunately. I mean, if you look back over over time, just even within the last 50 years, how many times have you heard of a church split or literally close its doors because of division amongst its members? Jesus was clear that the world will know him by how his church loves one another. And if we are divided, it comes down to the na- to the main principle of salvation. You cannot be divided when it comes to salvation. That's a huge problem. It has to be this is the one way. This is the only way. We can't have three, four, five different ways of how people can be saved. It's by grace alone, through uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. There's no other way that men and women can be saved. All right, let's go ahead and continue on in verses 2 and 4. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. Paul and Barnabas, what solid men of God they were. They knew what they knew, and they weren't going to renege on it. They had personally witnessed the hand of God move upon their own lives, as well as the lives of those around them. So because All they experienced and saw, there was no way they were going to denounce their faith in Jesus Christ and his power alone to save souls. This is why it was no small thing, but this was a great problem that was arising. But the beauty of it is, again, in these men, we see the heart, we see the true shepherd's heart. That Jesus Christ had implanted in these men they, they 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 had a care and they had a concern and they didn't take it lightly They saw that there was a dispute and they confronted this dispute head-on They didn't turn a blind eye to the problem and act like it wasn't there They didn't just try to kindly gently sweep it under the rug But they actually dealt with the problem. They dealt with the situation head-on as you're supposed to a question When you are confronted with anything that doesn't line up with clear biblical teaching, but is presented as it's being genuine, what do you do? What do you do when someone confronts you with something that clearly is not biblical, but they do it in a manner that they're trying to persuade you and get you to understand? You see, the tendency is for us it's to, it's to quietly kind of duck out of the situation or to not rock the boat to to not create confrontation right we we live in this age of uh, of of you know it's 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 all relative it's all good your truth is your truth my truth is your truth we don't want to we don't want to have any problems but the application is clear the bible says that we don't do what we are supposed to do when we fail in doing what is right we're committing the sin of omission. That is James chapter four verse seventeen. That's a a, a very loose uh, interpretation of what I, of what that verse is, and you know I've experienced this many a times. I can I can remember one time this was you know a while ago uh, and 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 I had uh, ran into someone who was a Jehovah's Witness and they were trying to share that with me and you know I didn't I didn't. Smash on the person. I didn't. I didn't crush them with my words, but I simply told them about. You know, one the thief on the cross. You know, he was with Jesus. He didn't get water baptized. He didn't come down from the cross. And also, 144,000. You know what? There's there's more than 144,000 people in the whole Jehovah's Witness movement. So what does that say about that? And you know, as I spoke, I mean, I could see in this man's eyes you know, tears well up and and, and he was broken by what I was was sharing. And it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit convicting. But, you know, it's it's quite easy to just go along with someone because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But you know what? If we know the truth of who Jesus Christ is and how men and women can be saved, it's our responsibility to speak up about that, especially when we are confronted with false doctrine. And this is something that we have to be mindful of and be keen of. And obviously, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be aware of when the enemy is trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Again, this is why it's so important to know what Scripture clearly teaches. If you don't know the truth, when you are confronted with a lie, and you will be at some point in time, you won't know how to respond. When... Persuasion did not end the issue. Paul and Barnabas went to to Jerusalem to have the matter settled by the apostles and the elders. They couldn't just agree to disagree on this issue because it was a salvational issue, because it was at the core of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to decide that you like hymns over more modern contemporary Christian worship music, but to disagree about the manner in which a person must be saved, it's non-negotiable. It's either Jesus Christ alone or you're not saved at all. The church in Antioch collectively agreed that Paul and Barnabas should go to speak with the other apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. Well, what this means for us, this application is, is quite simple. It is this. Uh, it means that this, this is another example of the structure of the church the correct model that we should all follow as believers in Christ within our our individual local churches. Whenever a uh, a concerning issue arises, there should be leadership within that church that can prayerfully address the matter. It's never healthy to just have the pastor making decisions without consulting obviously the Lord first, but then the leadership. Whenever you have a servant leader not being held accountable, there you will eventually discover all kinds of sin. And unfortunately, we've seen this time and time again within churches of where just the leadership, there's no structure and people are just going off like rebels doing their own thing and no one's held accountable. And then all of a sudden, you know, woe and behold down the road, the church ends up split or destroyed. And we pray against that in Jesus Christ's name for all the true churches of the Lord's, amen. All right, let's go ahead and read. And go through this last verse. It says. But some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. Rose up and said. It is necessary to circumcise them. And to order them to keep the law of Moses. As I was studying and reading this week. I mean when I read this verse at first. It was hard for me to believe that after all this time. And all that had gone on. Still these certain Uh, uh, Pharisees and this pharisaic mentality demanded that new believers follow their rigorous ceremonial laws but then the Lord had to remind me of this verse and it's found in Judges chapter 17 verse 6 and it says in those days there was no king in Israel everyone did what was right in his own eyes and I know that that the Judges chapter 17, verse 6 is talking about, you know, way before this occurrence with these Pharisees. But it's the the, the heart and the principle of this verse still is applicable to what's going on in our context this morning. The, the point is, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And, and they weren't seeing the truth of what Jesus Christ had done by God coming to going to the cross, uh, shedding of his blood, being buried, resurrecting. Now people have the ability to 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 not have to go to the priest. They can go straight to God the Father. They weren't seeing that. They were doing what was right in their own eyes and it's unfortunate, but it, this did give me peace of mind about what was going on with the Pharisees because they simply Again, like I said, they they were doing what was right in their own eyes. They were not consulting the Lord about the manner and how these Gentiles could be saved. They, They didn't truly trust the Lord. Instead, they leaned on their own understanding. And we know the Bible is clear. Do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. If the Pharisees believed anything, they believed one could be justified before God by keeping the law. For a Pharisees to really be a Christian, it would take more than the acknowledgement that Jesus was Messiah. He would have to forsake his attempts to justify himself by the keeping of the law and accept the work of Jesus as the basis of his salvation. And this is the same predicament that we're all in today. No amount of law keeping, good works, or wishful thinking will ever get you into heaven. It's always and only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, if you get anything from this message, just remember that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, yes, we are to have good works yes we we because the good works are again a reflection of a changed heart in Christ, but the process or and the product of good works does not make you right before God. If if that's your thinking that you have to perform, you have it twisted. It does not, it does, it's, that's not the basis of your salvation. Your salvation is based upon what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. That is where it lies. And that should be liberating and freeing, meaning your performance based, it does not determine you're standing with God it's what God did it's what Jesus did that makes you right with God and that that is liberating and it should be it should be this should have been easy for them to understand back then because when you when you think about it at least I, I envisioned that they would have been relieved in not having to provide a spotless animal to sacrifice for their sins at the annual Passover uh, festival. Remember, once a year, they would have to go. Uh, the you know the the day of atonement where you know everyone would have to bring a spotless animal the priest would have to be slicing you know throats and and blood would be spilling you know if you study up on it they talk about the the garments you know uh, the bottom of the the priest's uh you know garment was just filled with blood I mean it smelled you know the smell of iron iron was so strong because of all the blood it was like a a, a meat house in there because of all the the blood that was shed and this was only to relieve them of their sin for one year they had to continually do that. I mean, I would get tired of that. Tired of seeing blood. Tired of seeing an animal being killed. Tired of having to take this long trip just to have my sins forgiven. And Jesus Christ did it once and for all for sins, past, present, future, to be forgiven. You would think that they'd be relieved and they wouldn't have to adhere and uphold these regulations and these laws. But they didn't. They suffered from a severe stronghold in their mind. And you see, this is what it came down to. Pride. Pride will never allow one to receive Jesus Christ's free gift. Because it takes humility. It takes to be broken of your pride. To be humbled. To be able to say to God, yes, I need your help. No, I cannot do it on my own. I can't do it myself. And thank you for your gift. Thank you that I can freely receive it. See, it takes humility. But as long as pride is a stronghold in your mind and in your thinking, you will never be humble. You will never be able to exercise humility. Circumcision and keeping the law of Moses wasn't necessary. Instead, receiving the free gift that only comes from Jesus Christ is necessary. John chapter 14 verse 6 tells us, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is our stance today as the church. With everything going on in our world, with everything going on in our communities, in our country today, we need Jesus Christ more than ever. We need people of all races and all spheres of influence in life to understand the importance of who Jesus Christ is, and to receive that freeing gift of salvation that will liberate them from any form of bondage. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your truth. Thank you again for... The ability to help us to understand your word, to see the power of it, to see the effect that it has upon the individual who will allow themselves to be humbled, who will who will give up all of control and stop trying to do things on their own and simply allow you to be the God of their lives. Father, thank you for awakening the eyes of our heart. May we now continue to seek your hand upon all the things that are going on within life today. May you encourage us. Father, may you help us to keep our hope and our trust in you. May we not Waver, May we not be tossed to and fro by everything that's going on in our world. But may we rest upon the solid rock, the foundation of the true cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for the bread of life that we feed off of spiritually so we're not malnourished. Lord, help us to continue to dig in your word and to have deep, tight, close relationship with you. Help us to have relationship with other in the community of the church. Help us to not fall away and just do our own thing father we thank you and praise you for the freedom and the liberation that you've given us from the law that we know that you came not to abolish the law but to complete it to fulfill it lord and now that it is fulfilled we have our We have our hope in you. We have our trust in you. We know that it's not performance-based. You would like to see us to do good things, good works, Lord, but that doesn't save us, Lord. Thank you that it's not based on our performance, but it's based upon the sacrifice and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've cleansed us and you made us right with you. Father, we praise you. May you receive all honor and glory that you deserve It is in the wonderful, beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.